0: Hello and welcome to Ohio Folklore, I'm your host, Melissa Davies. Today, we're exploring one spot in Ohio, so remote and desolate, that it's remained practically untouched for over 170 years. For the adventurous among us, those with the penchant for the wilds of the Appalachian hills, this out-of-the-way location stands as a time machine of sorts. Vinton County, our state's least populous county. With a total census of only 13,000 people, stands home to one mid 19th century brick and mortar structure that has become a sought after spot for Ohioans and non Ohioans alike. It's not a place people come upon by accident. For decades, it took a great deal of planning, researching, map plotting, and a sturdy set of hiking boots just to reach it. Today, Through the tireless efforts of both locals and the state of Ohio, you can now park your vehicle near an old rail bed, cross a newly built bridge that spans Raccoon Creek, and make the 100-yard trek to a destination known by history buffs, nature enthusiasts, and the spirits of lost souls whose silhouettes are often spotted in the waning light at dusk. I'm talking about the Moonville Tunnel. Let's start with an overview of this monumental piece of Ohio folklore. There's no one better to provide a proper introduction on the subject than Mr. Rich Don, the official historian for the Moonville Rail Trail Association. You can learn all about this nonprofit organization at BintonCountytravel.com. Nearly 43 years ago, while on a camping trip with a friend, Rich happened upon a railway tunnel buried deep in the wilderness. Above one entrance, in bold capital lettering, was the name Moonville. While the tracks had long been removed, the rail bed remained, as did a small cemetery nearby, containing graves last dug before the turn of the 20th century. Rich found himself consumed by curiosity. How on earth did such a remarkable feat of engineering, from long ago, remain lost and forsaken in the deserted hills of Appalachia. It's a curiosity that still has them in its grasp, and it's not hard to understand why. There's something about this historic place that beckons visitors to connect with the simpler time. It's what draws people back, time and again, to ponder not only what the virgin landscape once looked like, but to commune with the mystical element of the place, there's a quiet, a kind of ephemeral presence that keeps calling visitors year after year. It's been calling Rich Don now for more than four decades. Come, hear his story.
1: My name is Rich Don, and I am the historian for the Moonville Rail Trail Association. Our, our purpose is to facilitate a rail trail where the railroad tracks used to be. And, um, I kind of provide some of the, the history and background and, and give it color, which, um, I think everyone kind of finds interesting because, uh, for a place that wasn't very big. Nor had a whole lot of people in it. There, there was a lot of uh, pretty cool things and characters that uh, went on in that place. So it's just something that I do as a hobby. I live in Columbus. Um, I'm, I'm very busy with other things, but this has been a passion for me going back for, well, since 1977. So that's, oh my goodness. however many years that is, it's been quite a lot.
0: <laughs> it's been 43 years. That must have been quite the, uh, first experience. You back as, then. as I
1: as I get older, I notice these stories get older as well. Oh. Um it's it's rather depressing. I'm sure people my age can appreciate that and, and relate to that. Um so in 1977, I was a sophomore at Ohio State University, a friend of mine who was an outdoors person, I was a city guy, but um, he wanted to go camping at Lake Hope State Park. It was wintertime. It was a Friday night. There was nothing else going on and I had no camping equipment or anything, but he had all the stuff and he said, Hey, let's go, you know, whatever. So, okay. So we drive down there in the wintertime and uh, we parked at lakes at the Lake Hope furnace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get out of the, of the car. We have all the stuff and we're walking around aimlessly in the dark and in four inches of snow. And so this is not like my idea of a great time. We're in it, so that's what we're gonna do. We finally set up camp, which is to say he set up camp and um we went to say woke up the next morning, I'll never forget this, after walking around an hour or so in the dark the night before, I wake up the next morning, the first thing I see is our car. We went around in one big circle. Oh. But okay, hey, we're camping, that's okay. So let's, let's have fun anyway. There was a brochure that, you know, you could get before you went on the on the trail and there was a little blurb about this town called Moonville, which sounded kind of intriguing and talked about a tunnel and, you know, a ghost or something, and we needed to go somewhere. So that's where we went to. And, and that's what started the whole thing. And, and back then there was a rail track that went through it. There is no longer. It was an active railroad. It was a cool tunnel back then. It still is. And um, the whole thing just kind of intrigued me. Real quickly, At the same time, I was taking a class in folklore at Ohio State, and I needed to do a paper on something, and it was just the perfect subject. Oh, yeah. You know, the Moonville Tunnel, the Moonville Ghost, and it was all folklore, and it was just perfect for the paper, and I wrote a paper, which I'm looking at. I still have it because I still go back and, and reference it from time to time. And I wrote it in nineteen seventy seven. Well say I got an A in it, I don't remember, but <laughs> because of a story will go with an A.
0: It just uh was meant to be there. It was uh for your class, but also um quite a memorable first impression.
1: Well obviously in nineteen seventy seven there was no internet and there's nothing about it in the libraries. Moonville was this 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 cool little place with a cool little tunnel with nothing around it. And it's like, so what was the story? I mean, what, what was there? So as part of the folklore class, and you know, cause you do folklore, it's the oral history. And the only way I could find out about this tunnel in this town for this paper, I had to go around and, and find people that, that knew about this and talk about it. I had an old, rickety, awful tape recorder that I used. And, and I wrote the story just based on what people were telling me. In fact, the name of my paper was, Moonville, it was over there, I think, because nothing was nothing was really concrete. Nothing was black and white. Everything was, well, you know, I think this and I think that, and he said that, and she said that, and my grandmother told me this, and everything was just kind of, I'm not so sure how accurate this was in 1977. It's gotten better since then, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a lot more resources now than I did at that. Now.
0: Well, really what you're describing is a kind of grassroots folklore where you were going right to the people. And hearing it from their mouths, um, which I think is the most organic kind of folklore, especially for it being, you know, locals uh, to the place.
1: Different people trying to tell the same story in different ways. And it comes, you know, people's memories are different. And, and sometimes it was firsthand, barely, because in 1977, Moonville as a town had been gone really since the beginning of the century. The early 1900s, it was gone for all practical purposes. Uh-huh. So anyone that I spoke to was probably retelling stories that their parents or grandparents told. And, and frankly, there was very few people around that ever lived there anyway. I mean, at its peak, there were maybe a hundred people mm-hmm. at its peak. This is a little, little coal mining. Town, maybe a little bit of lumber, a little bit of farming, but it was, it was never very big whatsoever. Um, let me go back real quickly, just so I can paint a picture for everybody. It's uh-huh. in Vinton County. If you all know where Vinton County is, it's southeast of Columbus, about 80 miles. And, and Boonville's in the northeast corner in Brown Township, which is about maybe 15 or 20 miles from Athens, to Ohio University, if you will, just for a frame of, of reference, which yeah. is where it is. Right. It's it's south of Hawking Hills, it's it's in the foothills of Appalachian mountains, it's it's um pre covered, it's dark, uh there's no development around whatsoever. You truly are in the middle of the proverbial nowhere. That's that's where you are. Yeah. It doesn't look a whole lot different now than it did in eighteen fifty. Hmm. It it just doesn't, which which makes it cool. I mean So that's, that's, that's what it is. And all the town really had was it had a depot and had a sawmill along the raccoon Creek, which is a, you know, nice name for a a big Creek. It had a a depot, a house and a cemetery. And the Moonville cemetery was at one time, you know, a really interesting place to visit because there are lots of headstones and stuff. Now, sadly over the years, um, between time and vandalism and, you know, mindless destruction, uh, many of the headstones are gone, yeah. but I've been assured that that, Moon, that Moonville Cemetery is buried full. And uh, there's still enough uh, markers there to, to, you get a feel for how it was, and it's got a big, beautiful pine tree in the middle, and it, it's just your basic little town cemetery. And it's just, it's very eerie to be there, I, I will tell you that for sure.
0: And it looks like, I think, like late 1800s were most of the dates on the graves for the burials, it look yeah, like? Yeah, the, the town was
1: founded in, let's call it, you know, 1840, 1850, where, when settlers started to first show up. And really by 1900-ish, it was all gone. Yeah. It, it, it had a heyday of a very short period of time, maybe 50 years. There were the expectations for that area and the railroad, the Marietta and Cincinnati Railroad, built a railroad through there was, wow, there's all this coal, there's all this iron, there's all this clay, there's all this timber. It was compared to the area, it was going to be the next Pittsburgh. Seriously. They needed to build a way to get from Marietta to look at a map to Cincinnati. It's a straight shot, and it goes through Vinton County. Okay, great. Well, but there's all these other resources there, so if we get the passenger part, we're going to make a killing on all the just natural resources that are there that aren't anywhere else. And as it turned out, they weren't quite as good as had been expected, and competition and this changed and that changed, and the town kind of died out. So, I see. Um, it didn't. It didn't have a very long lifespan, actually. You know, but no, there's not a whole lot to see. It's it's the tunnel. That's that's the big attraction.
0: I see. And then the other things, you have to be very deliberate about what you're looking for. It's not going to be apparent. I mean, it's just more wooded wilderness.
1: If you use the term desolate, I mean, it's not an exaggeration. It is, if you took out the tunnel and the gravel road that goes by it, because the railroad tracks were pulled up. Obviously, there was a railroad track that went through the rail tunnel. That was pulled up in the 1980s by the chessie system. Okay, so if you took that out, it would look just like it did in, in 1800. Mm-hmm. And the tunnel... And the gravel road looked like it did in 1850, and it hasn't changed. There's no commercialization. There's no facilities. There's no gift shop there on the site. There is elsewhere um, at the Hope School, which is a couple miles away. But there at the site, it is as as pure as it was, you know, back in the day, to use that expression. Now, we did, the rail trail did put a, a bridge in. Because there wasn't a way to get to the tunnel up until about three or four years ago. Yeah. So this, right. this Raccoon Creek is pretty crazy. It, it's winding everywhere. And every time there's a line, there was a trestle. Well, the railroad, when they pulled up the tracks, took the trestles with them. So there's no way to cross Raccoon Creek unless it's real low and you can walk through it. But quite often it's too high and, and, and kind of dangerous and it just doesn't work. So. We are trying to put, with the help of the state of Ohio, ODNR, are putting bridges back in, and we're going to have a wonderful, beautiful rail trail between Zaleski and, and Mineral, Ohio. Maybe someday go to Athens and, you know, hook up the whole thing. But you got to start somewhere, so that's, that's what we're
0: doing. What a wonderful project. And so that was, I think, 2016 when they installed the bridge to allow access to the
1: tunnel? Or that, that sounds right. Yeah. That sounds I mean, right. before then, you could get there, but you had to kind of bob and weave and trying kind to of know your way around and obviously if, if you were older or handicapped you couldn't get there but now it's accessible to everyone everyone can get there you, you can find it you know if you t- if you type in mungo rail tunnel you know there's all kinds of websites now and directions and everything yeah. but it, it's only a couple hundred yard walk from where you park oh, now, the idea sure. is you know that you're going to be able to walk miles to the west and miles to the east but as far as seeing the tunnel that's not a very uh, it's not overly challenging to get to the tunnel.
0: Do you have any uh, kinds of tips and advice for uh, people that like to go see it? What time of year to go, maybe? Or um... As I mentioned, it's, it's just
1: outside of Lake Hope State Park, which mm-hmm. is a wonderful park that doesn't get near the volume of traffic that the Hocking Hills do. Which is just north of there. Right. So if you're looking for something, you've already been in Hocking Hills, and that's that's a great place in its own. If you want to try something different, it's a little bit further south. Then try Lake Hope. There's there's plenty of hiking and fishing, and and you know, all kinds of food, the typical park things that you have. So and there's a wonderful lodge there that has really good food. So you know I, yeah. I would do that. But um, make sure you know where you're going because once you leave Route 278. Which is a state route. It's paved. That's good. Once you get off that road, you're, you're back in the wilderness and it's, it's kind of eerie just driving back to where Moonville is slash was. And you just got to know where you're going. But, um, there's, there's usually during the summer, there's plenty of people there. Um, it's becoming more popular really since the internet. I think that's made a big difference because. You know, back when I was doing this in the 70s and 80s or 90s, you you, kind of had to know about it. You either knew about it or you didn't. A lot of OU students went there for uh, partying, you know, back in those days. So they kind of knew about it and the locals knew about it, but no one else really did. But now, you know, it's so easy to find things out on the Internet. It's it's a cool story and the ghost And okay, so so people do that. But, you know, know, bring your hiking shoes. Um, There's a lot of places to hike and and do. Uh, There's there's. Uh, take a horse ride. There's Uncle Buck's riding stables are not too far from there. And we did that last year. And that was a lot of fun. Even though I've been there a hundred times, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm not a horse person at all. Just, you know, didn't want to fall off the damn thing. <laughs> and we got along, we got along great. And, and that was really wonderful because you're really going up some, and you know, and down some serious Hills. This isn't a flat ride through Columbus or maybe even Toledo. It's, 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 it's beautiful. And you'll get to ride through the Moonville Tunnel you get some narrative along the way, um, so I would recommend that if that uh, intrigues you at all. But if you just want to walk or, or biking, it's not really ready for biking quite yet. You can bike on the road, you know, that goes back there, uh, but it's it's pretty steep. I mean, like I said, you're not you're not in Columbus anymore. It's it's uh, it's very hilly and it's, it's gravel, so that's kind of tough. But hiking's great, and, and it's going to be fantastic once we get these bridges in, and that's going to happen in the next year or so. So then it will be a wonderful, wonderful place to go.
0: A wonderful place to go indeed. Perhaps the desolate nature of this location is part of what's kept the Moonville Tunnel so well preserved through the years. Thankfully, we can now go visit without too many physical obstacles in the way. The members of the Moonville Rail Trail Association and the Ohio Department of Natural Resources have worked together to make this destination handicap-accessible, opening its wonders to all members of the public. There's really no excuse not to go. But before you lace up those hiking boots, let's take a little journey, you and I, backward through the decades. Let's journey back, past the overhead hum of jet planes, past roaring interstate highways, and wander even further toward a slower time, toward the rhythmic plodding of a team of horses brought to a halt at the distant call of a steaming locomotive and its trailing boxcars. Tales of ghostly encounters at the Moonville Tunnel are old and numerous. Many visitors to the place, after settling into the quiet, claim to hear a distant whistle soaring over the pulsing chugging of a steam locomotive. This is even though the tracks have been pulled up and discarded for decades. Another common claim, one mentioned by Rich Don, is that of the ghost of one David Baldy Keaton, hiding atop the tunnel, waiting to pelt visitors with small rocks and pebbles. We'll talk more on him later. Yet another common unworldly experience is that of a glowing sphere of light appearing within the tunnel. It bobs and sways like a coal-lit lantern held in the hand of some unforeseen rail worker. If you look online, you can find many accounts of the unbidden yellowish orb. In fact, the Ohio Exploration Society at OhioExploration.com includes one video on their webpage dedicated to the Moonville Tunnel. A video there claims it is the infamous ball of light known to confront visitors. I'll put a link to the video at OhioFolklore.com so you can see it for yourself. During my own research of these paranormal claims, I connected with one Toledoan, a Mr. Mike Wenslick. In September, 2010, he and his wife rented a cabin near Zaleski Park. After finishing their tour of the hotspots of Hawking Hills, they set out to find some less traveled paths. Thankfully, they came upon a trail that would lead them to the Moonville Tunnel. Now, Mike and his wife weren't paranormal investigators. Truthfully, Mike acknowledges a great deal of skepticism when it comes to people claiming to see ghosts. A self-proclaimed nature geek, he was there to take in all the beauty. They took lots of pictures to document the trip and didn't notice a blatant anomaly in one of the frames until they returned to their home in Toledo. The picture had been taken with a dedicated digital camera, not the kind inside our smartphones that most of us use these days. The graffitied brick wall from inside the tunnel is clearly visible in the background. It's in focus, so the camera had been held still as the picture was snapped. Yet right smack in the middle of the picture, in the foreground, is a bright yellowish-white, thick streak of light. It's clearly in motion with a graceful swing. Just as the legend foretells, it's the motion you'd imagine from the swing of a handheld lantern. At the time the picture was taken, nothing was visible to Mike and his wife. Yet in the fraction of a second it took to snap the digital picture, something unexplained, something self-illuminating, was captured by the camera's mechanisms. There it remained, awaiting discovery, until they sat down to reminisce on the trip. Mike has graciously agreed to share this picture. You can find this haunting image at OhioFolklore.com. These claims of unexpected sightings there within the tunnel have become so well-known, they've inspired a special group of cultural icons, musical artists. One such group An award-winning bluegrass band called The Rarely Heard, spelled H-E-R-D, wrote a song on the legend itself. The Moonville Breakmen debuted on their 1998 album called Coming of Age. The group's bass player, Jeff Weaver, wrote this gem of a song, offering listeners caution on traveling to the legendary spot. With much generosity, he's allowed the song to be included here, so before we go into detail about the historical depth of this fabled location, let's lean back in our front porch rocking and chair and enjoy a haunting little bluegrass ditty. Down along the tracks, no I'm not going back He got
1: to old
0: go for breaking, or so the story goes And he turned hard to
1: the bottle when he heard that whistle blow Then came the train, and he couldn't get out of the way He. Gave did still steel rail
0: line? Now and then, where the tracks have been, you can still see the brakeman's line. Well,
1: there's nothing. Not one inch of track, and the stores and
0: homes have long since gone like the weed-ridden pile of slag. Oh, but
1: there's the train, and at night you can hear it sing. He gave all he had to the steel rail
0: line. And Now and then, where the tracks have been, you can still see the brakeman's light.
1: Don't you ever go alone? you see that drunken brakeman and hear that whistle moan. I didn't feel the chill when the brakeman disappears. disappears I feel the chill when the brakeman disappears.
0: I feel the chill. It's a sentiment shared by so many visitors to the Moonville Tunnel. In fact, it's part of what keeps drawing them back. The brakeman, as referenced in the song, is one of the tunnel's most well-known resident ghosts. It's his light that spotted swinging all along the tunnel's length on damp and foggy nights. So now that we have a sense of the supernatural claims, let's do some digging into the historical record and see if we can make sense of where such lore got its beginnings. As historian Rich Dan had mentioned, there are many, many deaths attributed to this remote spot along the rails. The earliest reference I found was from a March 1859 article of the MacArthur Democrat. It details the awful fate of one brakeman who fell from the cars. Now, unless you're an expert on rail history, Most people don't really understand what a brakeman's job was. A brakeman had to stand on top of the rail cars as the train was in motion, so that when the signal was given, he could turn a wheel that would physically apply a brake between two cars. This was necessary to aid the train in stopping more quickly, and was required before the advent of through brakes, which was a system that allowed the engineer to apply these brakes from the comfort and safety of the leading engine. In the early to mid-1800s, a career as a brakeman was considered the most deadly job in the country. These men had to work in all seasons, standing atop trains as they ran at full speed. In the winter, they were encouraged to down whiskey in order to feel the warmth sliding down into their bellies as snowy winds whipped all around them. It's not surprising that many, in their inebriated state, lost their footing and fell down into the space between the cars. Such was the case in March 1859, for one such poor brakeman headed toward the Moonville Tunnel. As he yanked on a wheel to apply the brake, his foot slipped and he fell between the cars. In a fraction of a second, the wheels passed over him and ground one of his legs into a quote, shapeless mass. In a frenzied hurry, his fellow rail workers carried him to another train, which was to deliver him to two surgeons who could perform an amputation. He died before the train reached the tiny town of Hamden where the surgeons were located. The newspaper article concluded that quote the accident resulted from too free use of liquor. As I mentioned, this is just one of countless claims of sudden and violent deaths that resulted from trains plowing down this desolate stretch of unsignaled tracks. To give you a sense of the chaos that sometimes erupted, another article, this one from March 1866 of the Vinton Record, describes the derailing of six cars near the tunnel. The cleanup required additional rail hands to help with the wreckage. Two workers had been dispatched from Hope Station, just a few miles down the track. They'd used a hand car, the kind where two people pump up and down on a lever, like you might remember from old cartoons. These two men pumped furiously to reach the site of the accident, and as they crossed a trestle over Raccoon Creek, near the tunnel, one of the men's clothing got caught up in the crank wheel's mechanisms, jamming them up. The sudden halt to the car caused the other man to fall off the side, down into the creek below. The author of the article reported that this man had drowned, but acknowledged that he couldn't verify it. The entire account of this debacle was one short paragraph. Working on the railroad, especially in those lonely, dark stretches of tracks, wasn't just dangerous, it was deadly. Perhaps the most well-known rail disaster that occurred at the Moonville Tunnel happened on November 5, 1880. Two freight trains collided just past the eastern end of the tunnel. As I mentioned earlier, railways were not signaled back then. Today, electric lights shining red and green tell train operators whether it's safe to move forward, or whether they must wait for the rails to clear. Back then, especially around hills, curves, and through darkened tunnels, Many engineers had no idea of an impending collision until the very moment it happened. Such was the case on this day. Engineer Frank Lawhead and his fireman, the guy that shovels coal into the engine, Charles Crick, were killed instantly when their freighter collided with another, just east of the Moonville Tunnel. An investigation which followed the accident revealed that a train dispatcher had failed to notify the eastbound engineer of the scheduled westbound train. For better or for worse, this well-known engineer, Frank Lawhead, who died in the collision, was identified as the ghost that was often spotted in and around the Moonville Tunnel. One article of the Chillicothe Gazette, dated January 1895, was entitled The Ghost of Moonville, It explained that the often-spotted ghost was usually attired in a pure white robe. As trains approached, a lantern was spotted, being swung across the tracks. On seeing this, the engineer would blow the whistle, signaling a full stop. And once the train stopped, the hanging light would slowly dissipate until it extinguished. This unexplained light had delayed trains so frequently that trains on the route were allotted extra time on the schedule just in case another sighting occurred. Most of the sightings from the late 19th century came from workers aboard trains as they barreled through the tunnel. Many would see the specter of an engineer illuminated by the coal lit lantern he held in his hand. Is this light? now seen as a disembodied orb swinging down the length of the tunnel, a remnant of poor Frank Lawhead, the esteemed engineer who met his fate at Moonville Tunnel. This historic location claims many resident ghosts, to be sure. Our final account is that of David Baldy Keaton, the man mentioned earlier by Rich Don. By June 1886, he was a 66-year-old resident of Vinton County, known all too well by the locals. His reputation as a bully was clear. He seemed to take pleasure in others' pain and embarrassment. On top of that, he worked as a tax collector for Vinton County. It seems his gruff nature suited the job's requirements, as he was known to push a little too hard on some residents who were down on their luck and couldn't pay up. Newspaper articles from that time confirmed that he had been fighting a lawsuit on the day he died. In fact, he appeared in court earlier that day. No further details of the legal proceedings were given, yet it's assumed it had something to do with the nasty way in which he treated those around him. When his badly mangled body was discovered near the tunnel the next morning, It was apparent he'd been run over by not one, but perhaps several, expresses that had come through overnight. And given how much he'd angered his neighbors through the years, it's assumed someone had had enough of him. After killing him in some unknown manner, it's alleged they placed his body on the tracks, knowing it'd be battered to pieces, and the evidence of the murder ground into mush. Some pieces of his body, in fact, were never found at all. You can find David Baldy Keaton's grave in a cemetery not too far from the tunnel itself. It's said that his spirit still lies in wait, atop the tunnel, biting time, waiting for just the right opportunity to hurl a pebble down on innocent visitors. It seems Baldy's assholery has survived his physical death. If you'd like to see for yourself, come to the tunnel and throw the first stone. Just don't blame me if you get the same in return. We could go on reviewing the multitude of violent deaths that resulted from rock slides, collisions, stumbling drunkenness, and countless other dangers that lurked in and around the Moonville Tunnel. But we have to stop somewhere. Clearly, this place, once a purely untouched spot in Ohio's southern hills, It became a place of death and destruction after men used gunpowder to blow a hole through the earth. At the time, the construction of the tunnel meant progress. It meant faster delivery of coal from local mines to homes all over the Midwest. But it resulted in something unintended. That progress came at the cost of many lives. The supposed spirits of those lost there remain. Maybe they're searching for a train to come along and take them to the next stop. This destination has become so popular, there's a yearly festival in celebration of it. In the spirit of Halloween, Midnight at Moonville is a festival held every October there at the tunnel. It was canceled in 2020 due to the pandemic, but will surely return in the future. This one-day event features storytelling, wagon rides, food and craft vendors, and live music. The centerpiece of the event, however, takes place at the end of the night, long after the sun has set and the insects start their calling from darkened woods. It's then, in the blackness of the midnight hour, that a hush falls over the crowd as all turn their senses to the spirits around them. Voice recorders are running, as leaders among them call on the olden ghosts of Moonville to make their presence known. After all these years, long after steam locomotives barreled through this 170-year-old brick structure, long after the tracks themselves were pulled up and removed, seekers still come. What are they searching for? Ghosts? Nature? A step back in time? Why not all three? Whatever your motivation, I hope someday you find your way down to Vinton County. Take a day or two, step out of your normal routine, and step into a world not so far removed from our own. Bring some water for drinking, some insect repellent, and a good friend to share the experience. But most of all, bring a curious mindset absorb the wonder of the place, and perhaps the spirits of those who remain there. Whether or not you see or hear them, their influence remains with us today. They're in the roar of those diesel-powered engines that now speed down miles of flattened railways. These many deaths, and the lessons taken from them, have allowed for safer railway measures we enjoy today. These lost souls have lit a path for us. It's our responsibility to walk it with purpose and awe. This concludes today's episode on the Moonville Tunnel. I hope you've enjoyed it. If so, please write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps people find the show. You can visit Ohio Folklore at OhioFolklore.com and on Facebook. And as always... Keep wondering.